Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Here we are, and you know what? The time is now. Tonight, we're going to talk about now. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of different coaches and a business coach and lots of different uh, websites that of people that want to coach us and tell us what to do. And everybody always says you need to live in the moment, right? You need to be present where you are. Uh, if your kids are talking to you, you don't need to be on the phone. If your husband's having a conversation with you, or let's just say if you're having a conversation with your husband, he doesn't need to be on the phone. He needs to be present. He needs to be now. But tonight, what I want to talk about is do we live in the present or do we live in the past? Because living in freedom makes all the difference with Jesus. So my name is Linda, and I am the co-founder and volunteer CEO of an organization called Love Him, Love Them. And we operate and care for widows and orphans in the state of Georgia and also in the country of Haiti. And I'm going to tell you something. There are some things that are happening in Haiti that I don't want to live in the now. <laughs> I don't want to live in, I want to live in either the future or I want to live in the past. I want to live when Haiti was known as the Pearl of the Caribbean, right? I want to live in those moments when I used to be in Haiti with all the kids at Wahoo Bay on the beach, uh, out there with the guy, this guy named Calypso that has this amazing boat that takes us around. And right now I can't even go to the country of Haiti, right now, I can't go to the country of Haiti. But what what I want to talk to you about tonight is, are you living in the past? And are is there something that has happened to you or something that you have done or some kind of baggage that you are carrying that is keeping you from living now and forward? So here, here's the deal. What is now? So my husband gave a great example last night as he was sharing a story very similar to this and said, you know, now it is 8.05. Okay, now it's 8.05 and three seconds. And so anything that has happened before 8.05 and three seconds is in the past, right? So let me just share with you Philippians, what is it? Philippians 3, 13 and 14. This is what the Bible says. Brothers, sisters, I don't consider that I've made it my own yet. But one thing I do, one thing I do is I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. So this is what I want to try to get across to you tonight is anything before now, right now, it's in your past. And Jesus is in the now. Jesus also, he tells us in Hebrews 13, he will never leave us. He will. That means he's not going to leave me now, <laughs> right? Uh, but here, here's the fact of the matter. Our enemy wants to take us out of the now, right? Jesus wants us to be in the now, living right now, forgetting what's in the past, pressing on toward what's ahead. But Satan doesn't want us in the now. Satan doesn't want us to have any idea that Jesus or that God can can care for us in the now. He wants us completely lost. And you know what? Most believers get stuck. Most believers get stuck in the past. Um, we, I remember when we first moved into the house that we're in now, we had this neighbor next door. 
um, let's just say his name was Chuck, and our kids loved him, right? He was an, an older gentleman, and he had moved up to, to our neighborhood. His wife was still in another place finishing out her job, and so you know he used to give our kids jobs, and they'd come over and rake his yard and do all sorts of different things, and our kids would always invite him to church, and he constantly told them the same thing. I used to go to church, something happened, and I don't go to church anymore. That's 20 years prior. 20 years prior that he was stuck in whatever had happened in in that church that was keeping him from the now, keeping him from having a relationship now, right? The Bible tells us that we are a new creation. The moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior and and we surrender what we're doing, we're a new creation. We are not who we used to be. And actually, I just learned last night that the word in the Bible in that particular verse that talks about brand new it actually even means a prototype. It's not It's not even something just sort of new. It is brand spanking new. And I want to bring, you know, you always hear this uh, about just in counseling sessions, don't look in the rearview mirror. Don't live in the rearview mirror. Like when you're driving, uh, we have, oh my gosh, I don't know how many kids we have, but it seems like everybody is getting their learner's permit at the same time. And I can hear David when he's teaching, my husband, when he's teaching them how to drive, don't look in the mirror, don't worry about what's behind you, just keep moving forward forward. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Even if somebody's, you know, right there on your tail, just keep going forward. Because you know what? You can't drive looking in the rearview mirror. You can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. And matter of fact, the we are not even designed to live life backwards. We're not designed to live life backwards. We walk forward. We we move forward. I want to tell you a story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, West Palm Beach. This this is such a, a really interesting story about how this all played out. Um, I, we, I left out of Atlanta, and when I was at my gate in Atlanta, I didn't even realize it, but our plane was delayed for two <laughs> for two hours. That just goes to show you how much I was running my mouth. But uh, I was sitting there, and this gentleman and I had had this uh, s- small conversation about some a conversation that we had overheard. And then uh, later on, I ran into him again. And I just happened to mention to him, I said, you know, what are you, what are you going to West Palm Beach for? And he said, well, my daughter and my wife are in West Palm. My daughter is there for surgery. And uh, that my daughter and wife have been down there for nine months because they are uh, having to go through... Uh, uh, different therapy, physical therapy from the surgery. And I said, oh my goodness. I said, we have a 24-hour prayer team, which by the way, everybody listening, we have a 24-hour prayer team uh, that prays for everything that happens in our ministry, everything that happens in Haiti, and then also urgent needs. Uh, and these are prayer warriors. These these are people who keep spreadsheets of the prayers and their uh, answers to the prayers, and they continue to pray until they get the answers. And so I, I looked at him and I said, you know, we've got a prayer team. I'd love to include your your wife and your daughter on our prayer team. And so I pulled my phone out and I started to text the head of the prayer team and the volunteers. And I said, you know, what is your daughter's name? And he looked back at me and he said, Aisha. And I looked back at him. And this is a very white man. And I glanced back up and I said, that is not a white girl's name, Aisha. I said, there's got to be a story here. And right about the time I said that, he had already pulled up the picture of Aisha and he showed me the picture on the phone and it was a little girl. And I said, where is she from? And I was thinking maybe she was from Haiti. And he said, no, he said, she's from the Ivory Coast. Well, my lack of 
of geography. I had absolutely no idea where the Ivory Coast was. And he said, that's, uh, that's in Africa. And I said, you got to tell me this story. You know, why, why are, where are you from? What is, what is this whole situation? So he lives in Michigan and his, uh, this little girl, they had brought her over. He worked through some organization uh, in his church. They said that they needed a host family just long enough for a medical visa for this little girl to come from the Ivory Coast to come and have this surgery. And I said, well, what, what was the surgery? And he pulls another picture up on his phone. And the little girl has, I think it's called club feet. I'm not sure exactly what you say, but her feet were literally turned in to almost where it looked like if she was going to walk, she would have to walk backwards because, you know, our feet are forward. That's how we take our steps and walk forward. And so he shows me the pictures and he says they brought her over. But also she <laughs> just need to, you need to take a moment right now and just be grateful and thankful for your hands, your fingers, your feet. Uh, she literally had one hand that didn't have all of the fingers on it. And then her other hand literally stopped at her wrist and there was just a fingernail sticking out of her wrist. She didn't have fingers on the other hand. And so he said, you know, they brought her over. They wanted to do some surgeries on her bones, but her medical visa ran out and she had to go back to the Ivory Coast. He said, and my wife fell in, my wife and I both fell in love with her during that year and a half that she was here. And so we did anything and everything we could to legally bring her back over so that we could perform all of the surgeries that she needed so that she could walk forward so that she could walk at all. She's never, ever walked and so he's telling me this whole story. Obviously, you can now see why I didn't even realize the plane was delayed. I was completely engulfed in the story. And so I said to him, I said, I'm going to text this to our prayer team, and I want to have them praying the whole time that we're on the flight. I said, and then, but I want you to know I'm going to be in West Palm until Tuesday, and I would like to uh, be able to come to the hospital and pray for your wife and daughter. And so he said, no. He said, I'm going to have them come to the airport, and you're going to pray for her, pray for her there. And I'll share the rest of this story on another radio show, but I wanted to share just that much of it uh, to let you know that we are made to walk forward. We are, you know, another part of that is uh, when you go backwards, when you go backwards, you bump into stuff, right? Because we weren't made to, to go backwards. When you walk, when you go backwards, you, uh, there are things that you don't see. You don't, you don't know where you're going. So when you live in your past it's the same way. It's like mo it's like going backwards when you're supposed to be going forwards. Um, it, it just it doesn't work. You know, God has called us to be His child, and in in part of that, there is uh, nothing no, nothing else in the creation. No, no other, no rocks, no animals, nobody else that has the ability to call our Father, Father right? And he has planned out and purposed our life for us to move forward. That's why he doesn't want us stuck in the past. That's why he wants to help this, this young girl that, was, uh, that only has the ability to go backwards, to go forward. We've got to learn to live in the now. I want to read you John 1, 12. It says, because here, here's the thing, the reason most of us live in the past is something has failed. There's been some kind of a failure. And, and 
And for whatever reason, people choose to use that failure to define them. I I think it's just that Satan continues to whisper, you know, you can't do this for God because look what you did then. You can't, there's no way that you could serve God now because everybody knows what you did in your past. And so we think that because people continue to identify us or remind us of our failures or what we did in the past, the, the sin that we also think that God does that. But as a child of God, God does not operate the same way the same way humans do. Humans love to just continue to tell you what you did wrong, what you're doing wrong, how bad you how bad what you were what you did and how it just, you know, you you just cannot succeed. But that's not true because our failure does not define us. You know, the other part that Satan uses for that and the reason he doesn't want us to live in the now is because he wants our feelings to define us. You know, my husband, I, I apparently I say that a lot. Like I feel, well, I mean, I just remember saying it the other day. I was walking out of the house and the dog had just peed on the floor. We have a brand new puppy. And I mean, she just, I don't know what her deal is. Have you ever heard of a school, like a teacher that passes a kid through or like, you know, you hear they pass football players through to just get them there so they can play on the field, whether they are learning or not. Well, we we took uh, the new dog's name is Mocha and we took Mocha to obedience school and they passed her through obedience school. And I'm telling you, she did not learn a thing and she just still does everything that she's not supposed to do. And so I had uh, one homesick from school. I mean, I could just tell you on and on and on all of the horrible things. And I literally walked out the door and I just said, you know, I just feel like a failure. I can't I can't train the dog. I can't get the kids to do what they're supposed to do. I can't keep up with my mom. I can't I, I just I just can't do it. And I just feel like a failure. And my husband looked at me, he was like, Linda, you, it doesn't matter what you feel. That's not true. You have to think right now, our feelings are simply an indicator that something is wrong. It is wrong that the dog peed on the floor, right? But because the dog peed on the floor doesn't make me a failure. Now that dog should have failed obedience school, in my opinion. I'm just going to I'm not even going to tell you where she went to school. And actually, you know what? I did go back and talk to the obedience teacher. And she said, actually, Linda, I think that um, your family is the one that failed the obedience school because you guys aren't carrying treats and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But the dog is really just fine. You know, that that made me feel amazing, too. But the bottom line is this. Our feelings can only be an indicator that something is wrong. We cannot allow Satan to take us out of right now because right now, like I said in the beginning, God has told us he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And our failure does not define us because if we if we believe that, <laughs> how many times in the word of God does he share with us that if we pray and we believe and we have faith, that that's when our prayers are answered. And see, uh, Satan is such a deceiver. He wants us to believe that how we feel is what's true. And that's not true. It's just not true. We've got to get to the point. And I have so many scriptures that I want to read to you. I'm going to, I'm just going to read these and then I'm going to come back to it. It says, I am the true vine and my father, this is John 15, one. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I am the vine. You are the branches. And the one who remains in me, and I'm in him, that's who bears much fruit. But because apart from me, you can accomplish 
nothing. This is the other one I want to draw your attention to. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh my gosh, that's where Satan wants us. He does not want us to realize. I mean, because if you read that verse and you grasp the fact there's no condemnation, but yet you're living in condemnation, right? Satan is like, wait a minute, uh, you don't need to be listening to what you're reading right now. You need to remember all of the horrible, horrible things that you did. Because you know what? Going back to what we believe, if you believe you can't succeed, you're right. You can't. Because what I have a, um, my dad, my dad who's not here anymore, which I so wish he was. You guys would absolutely love him. But he used to teach piano lessons, which is another whole funny thing. Every Saturday morning, we would have piano lessons. And my mom is hard of hearing. So my mom would be in the kitchen in the same house that my dad is teaching piano lessons, banging pots and pans around and slamming doors. And I can always remember them going back and forth and him going in the kitchen and going, baby, can you just please put the dishes away another time? Because the kids cannot hear. But my dad, I remember I played a song, um, Let It Snow, in one of my piano recitals. And my, I still have the, the sheet music. I don't even know if they still have sheet music anymore. But I framed it because my dad wrote on the outside of the sheet music, Linda, if you believe it, if you can think it, you can do it. Love, Dad. And that is framed and in my office. And you know what? That's biblical. That And that is biblical. If we believe we can do it, we can do it. And if we don't believe we can do it, or if we believe we can't do it, we can't do it. What we believe is so, so profound. It's so profound that whenever the the guys that had their friend that was on the stretcher who couldn't walk, they literally believed that if they could get their friend to Jesus, just Get him to where they where he was. They believed it so much. And I want you to really grasp this. They went on the roof and cut a hole in the roof to lower their friend in. And, and Jesus said, you know what? What they believe, they have faith. That's their faith. Their faith was they believed so much if they could get their friend to Jesus that he was going to be completely healed. That's living in the now. That's not saying, girl, we got to get a, I mean, they weren't girls, but we got to get a knife. We got to get, we got to get it chisels. We got to get, how in the world are we going to get in? They just, they just didn't stop. And that's where we need to be. We need to be living in the moment. Not what, I mean, not even what happened five minutes ago. Listen, I'm going to tell you, when you do a radio show, when you do, when you do a speaking engagement, when you even pull up to a gas pump and God has a plan for you to speak to the person that is beside you, don't think that anything and everything that has ever happened bad does not, that Satan doesn't try to flood your mind with that. He wants you to feel completely unworthy and he wants you to feel, he wants you completely ineffective because if he can focus you on what you've done, whether it's five, whether it's five minutes ago, if you just yelled at your, your uh, dog, or if you just yelled at your child, or if you just had an argument with your husband and now God places you in a position that you can share the love of Jesus, Satan is not going to let that out. He's going to say, you really, Linda, you really think that after the way you just spoke to your child or after the way you just handled that with your husband or after the way you just handled that with your friend, whether it was five minutes ago, five years ago, five days ago, you really think that you can be effective for for Jesus Christ and for the kingdom? No way. And that's not true. 
because we can ask for forgiveness. We, we have the ability to cry out to our Father. We have the ability to take mistakes and learn from them and move forward. And, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us in the now, not even in five minutes ago, not even in 10 minutes ago. But here's, here's the key. We have got to know the Word of God. I shared in a, in a recent radio show about my friend Kelly and how she was in the hospital. And uh, she's now home. She's amazing. But what she continued to rely on when she was in there, uh, d- having difficulty breathing, uh, struggling with COVID, struggling with pneumonia. But what she said is, I held on to the word of God. I held on to what I knew to be true. And I'm looking for the exact verse that she shared with us just last night. And what it was is, is it's in James. And there's a, a verse in James that says, are you sick? If you're sick, pray. Are you sad? If you're sad, pray. If you need healing, pray. Pray. Call on the elders of the church. Have them come and anoint you with oil. And not only will you be healed, but also your sins will be forgiven. If you don't know what the word says, it's very, very difficult to fight back against our enemy. And you know, I'm going to tell you something I learned. I mean, and, and I know you know this if you've ever read the Bible, Satan, Satan knows the word of God. <laughs> I learned that when I was in Haiti and trying to minister, I wasn't trying to minister to a voodoo priest in the beginning. I was trying to go and yell and scream and holler at him for all the problems he had caused me. But ultimately, I ended up leading him to Jesus. But I honestly believe that that voodoo priest knew more scripture and had memorized more scripture than I did. We have to know what the word says because it's that we we have to already have it inside. It's kind of like a savings account, right? When your car goes out or when you have an emergency, you need to have money that was in that savings account so that when the emergency comes, you have the funds there available to take care of the problem. And it's the same way with the Word of God. We have to have that money invested or saved up inside of us so that when the enemy comes with the, uh, and he, he can even take scripture and twist it and use it against us. But we've got to know the word. We've got to know the, our identity. We've got to know the fact that we are a child of God and the rights that that comes with. You know, how, how horrible would it be to have a, a life insurance policy or an insurance policy? Some, a, a lady just told me today, I was, I was shopping at Cato, my favorite store, if you ever want to get me a gift certificate. And the lady there told me that during this most recent snowstorm, two trees fell in the middle of her house. Literally, she was going through the pictures on her phone and showing me how it fell right over her bedroom, but it only went to the second floor and how she was how she was saved and all these different items in her house that weren't ruined. Uh, a, a chair that her grandmother had given her, a, a different special, special items. But then she was telling me about her insurance company and how she was coming out smelling like a rose, right? Because of all the benefits that came along with that insurance company and the new things that she was getting in her house and a new sink and a new this and a new that. It's almost like she's getting her entire house remodeled. What if she didn't understand the benefits of that policy? And she just said, oh, well, the tree fell in. Now my husband and I are going to have to file bankruptcy and we're not going to be able to fix our house and we're going to have to move. No, she knew what was hers. And that's the same way with the word of God. Our relationship with Jesus Christ comes with so many 
benefits. But so many of us are stuck somewhere in the past, and it's like we're, we're not going to get the new sink. We're not going to get the new roof. We're not going to get the new remodel of the house. We're not getting the benefits that come with our relationship with Jesus because we're too busy stuck in the past. We don't even know what the benefits are. We don't even want to open the word of God to realize it. You know, if you just knew Psalm 91, Psalm 91, and if you were able to live in the now and not not be holding on to something in the past and realize the identity that we get with just doing two things, saying that Jesus is our refuge and our fortress and acknowledging Jesus with just those two things. When you say Jesus is my refuge, Jesus is my fortress and acknowledging the name of Jesus, God says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to rescue you. When you call on me in times of trouble, I'm going to answer you. When you, and he says, we're going to have trouble, but he's going to answer us. It says that he will deliver us. I mean, there's so many problems. He also says that he will keep us from the terror of night and he will keep us from being destroyed by the arrows that go in the daytime and that he will keep us from uh, the plague that comes to destroy us. Hello. That's something nice to know about right now. He even says that you might have a thousand fall at your right hand. 10,000 may fall right beside you, but nothing will come near you or harm you. Who wants to get stuck in the past when that is a promise of right now? That's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even add up. We need to know this little deal about calling ourselves a Christian. It's not that we go to church on Sunday. That does, that, that's not it. So many of us, and you know what? That's why so many people are stuck. Satan is, is such a deceiver. So we go to church on Sunday. Somebody makes us mad. Now we don't want to go back to church. And so now we think, and, and all we are is stuck in the past. We have an argument with somebody. Someone hurts our feelings. Somebody doesn't like our post on social media. Somebody uh, takes our girlfriend, our boyfriend. Somebody hurts our children. And we hold on to that. And Satan takes that offense that is the bait that he uses to have us stuck so that we don't get the benefits. So the same way Sherry uh, got all of those benefits from that insurance policy when what looked like a hot mess with that tree falling on her house, we're, we're, it's like we're still sitting there with the tree falling on our house. How I really, really want you to grasp the fact that it is a trick of our enemy. You know, the other thing too, about walking forward and not walking backward. Have you ever thought about the Ephesians six, which is our spiritual armor, which tells us exactly how to fight the enemy. Every single piece of that armor is for our front. It's for us to be moving forward, walking forward. And it is to protect us. That shield of faith, that's the sword of the spirit. All of that is for us moving forward. So if you're stuck in your past, if you have something that is just holding on to you, I want you to know today is the day for you to realize that it is time to forget the past, whether it was five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five years ago. It is time for you to realize that that's not just a verse in the Bible. In Philippians, when it says to forget the past and move forward, that is your heavenly father reaching out to you today to say, my child, 
I want you to move forward. Don't look in that rearview mirror anymore. Come with me. Put on your spiritual armor. Just like Aisha, let's move forward. And don't forget that you, I can give you the ability by you loving me, I can show you how to love others, even if it was someone that hurt you in your past. I hope tonight we've been able to give you some hope, touch your heart, change your life. Come back and visit with us. Don't forget to go to our website and learn more about what we do. That's lovehimlovethem.org. Hey, do it now.